This is ODAT Chat, your instant connection to recovery and community, one day at a time. This podcast may contain strong language, sexual content, and spiritual truth. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to ODAT Chat. My name is Arlena, and I'll be your host. In case you didn't know, ODAT stands for One Day at a Time. If you haven't yet, please don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, and if you can, leave a review. That really helps, and uh, you don't want to miss out on any upcoming episodes, so go ahead and subscribe. Uh, You might be wondering about the purpose of the podcast, and what I'll tell you is that besides wanting to clear up um, what I consider to be a lot of misconceptions about addiction and recovery, I also wanted to share the teachers, ideas, and exercises that have helped me on my own journey over the last 22 years that fall outside the parameters of 12-step groups. So there you have it. And I'm not sharing any resource today, uh, but I did want to say a quick thank you to everyone who has subscribed, left a review on iTunes, or provided feedback through the Facebook page or Twitter, whatever. Uh, I just got to say, it's so awesome to hear about the experiences, you know, from the guests. You know, they come in, they share their story, and then, you know, I hear stories later afterwards about, you know, relationships that are healed, or maybe, you know, a guest has shared their podcast episode with friends or family members. And, you know, it really provides an insight as to, you know, what's going on in their lives. And some really amazing things have come out of that. And, you know, maybe at some point I'll have these guests back on and they can share their stories of what happened afterwards. It's actually pretty cool. So I just wanted to say thank you um, to all my past guests and I have several episodes coming up that I'm very excited about and um, thank you to those people as well and thanks to everybody who's been participating I can't tell you how much it means to me so um, yeah if you would like to leave feedback too um, I read everything so just visit the website at odatchat.com or um, visit the Facebook page with the same name Um, if you want to leave a comment or a message or whatever I will totally read it so, um, listen, today's episode is with my sweet friend, Carrie. I'm not actually sure I'll be able to get through this without being a little weepy because when I was writing this, I realized how much she means to me. Um, she actually has a very special gift and talent that I don't think even she recognizes it because it comes so naturally to her. Carrie has a way of noticing when members of our tribe, so to speak, are not really feeling a part of. Um, she is able to connect and make people feel welcome and valued. She is quietly and unassumingly the glue of my favorite meeting. And I just absolutely adore her for that. Carrie doesn't like to talk about herself, but she is always willing to share her experience if it helps somebody else. Um, I know she wasn't super excited to be on the podcast, but I asked her to do it and she loves me. So yay, Carrie! She is a wonderful person. She's super funny and one of my favorite people ever. So with that, please enjoy this episode with Carrie. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you. So I thought we would talk about, uh, first we'll do like your experience, strength and halt, maybe like 10 minutes so that um, people can kind of get familiar with your background. And um, we'll do a couple warm up questions. But I thought the three things that would be interesting to talk to you about are, you know, kids and family. Mm-hmm. I know family is very important to you and you have a couple kids. 
And uh, we talked about, well, we can discuss sponsorship, like how you sponsor, what your experience with other sponsors has been. And then we'll um, touch on other addictions. Maybe we can talk some fun stuff or some not some fun stuff. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have a wide range of things to talk about. But before we get into your experience, strength, and hope part... Uh, maybe you can just give me, well, we'll do some stats on you. Like, um, how old are you? I'm 47. You're 47, <clears throat> and um, you are married. Married, two kids, um, sober since 2006, and work in the food industry. Okay. So. And your spouse is not? Um, no, he's a normie. He's, he's a, normie. a normie. Yeah. He's tall, but he's not normal. <laughs> That's true. He's freakishly tall, normie. Hey, yeah. How tall and, uh, is he? He's five. Uh, he's six foot nine. Six nine. And how tall are you? I'm five six. Okay, yeah. You're so, only a couple inches taller than me. I'm almost the smallest in my family. We have small dogs, so I'm officially not the shortest. <laughs> the dogs can't. That's funny. Do you have siblings that are in recovery? Um, no. I have two older sisters and my parents in. Um, no one's parents. no one's in recovery. Okay, are you con- are are you thinking that maybe somebody in your family has issues? We we all do. I think I think oh. there's some mental illness. There's some alcoholism. I think there's some stuff there. Okay, um, but I think a lot of it has just been kind of pushed aside or suppressed for whatever reason. So they found other ways to cope. Yeah. 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 Well, stressful day drinking it usually makes it go away for some people. Drinking makes it go away. Yeah. <laughs> Just not for me. <laughs> Hence the podcast. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I totally get that. Um, let's see. Are you anonymous about your recovery? Uh, I think I break anonymity when it's, you know, when I feel like it's necessary and I kind of keep it quiet if I'm questionable about like a new person in my life or like new co-workers at my new jobs. Type okay. Of thing. Do you feel like over time your co-workers? They know. Actually, even at my new job now, most everyone knows because my boss is an old friend of a friend. So she's been friends with me on Facebook for years. So she's oh. seen all my you know, 12 step stuff. So, okay. And she, so every once in a while she'll say, we should all go out for happy hour. Carrie, you can get a soda. So I know she's aware. (laughs) (laughs) Funny how people always have to make that little caveat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're all trying to be nice. Yeah. Like, I just want you to know, I know. (laughs) I'm looking out for you. Thanks. Thanks. I won't overdose on Coke. uh, I promise. (laughs) Be very hydrated. Yeah. Happy hours. Right. No, I've, I've been there. And, uh, what is your drug of choice? Um, alcohol. It was always alcohol. You never did like yeah. weed or very little weed. I didn't like the effects of weed because um, I couldn't control it like I could control alcohol. I really? smoked weed first and I liked it. Um, when I learned how to drink, I thought, oh, this is so much better than marijuana. <laughs> so and fun. I fell in love with it. Like, yeah. I loved it. No, listen, I get that. <laughs> Um, and what is your, do you want to describe like a, do you have a general concept of God or higher power? I have a higher power. I mean, I was born Catholic, uh, by the, I'm the youngest. So by the time I was born, there was no going to church anymore. It was like, <laughs> oh my God, we have three kids. It's just too they're, busy. They're <laughs> yeah. So there was no church. So, um, I just kind of believed, I mean, I learned a little bit along the way and I think I kind of created my own concept at a young age. My parents were, um, they're both very Catholic in the sense that, like, they know all the words to the hymns, and they know Spanish and English mass, but um, 
because I didn't go with them. I only kind of know what I watch them do. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah. So, um, but that begs the question. So, Spanish and English mass. Are your par- were your parents born or raised in the U.S.? Uh, yeah, they were born and raised in the U.S. And uh, three out of my four grandparents were from Mexico. And I have one. Oh. Uh, my one of my grand my mom's dad is from Texas. Okay, did everybody migrate to the U.S. or? Um, no, my dad's uh, parents lived and died in uh, Mexico. Okay. My mom's mom was born in Mexico, we think, but she was ended up being an orphan. Um, really? Yeah, and then she uh, l- uh, lived and died in L.A. And then my her husband moved from Texas, I think, to L.A. at some point, and they both stayed there. Oh, that's interesting. Do you know the circumstances of your grandmother's orphanage? No. No, I don't. I know she knows where she was born, and I know she knows who she grew up with, Mm -hmm. but it's a little vague. And so, yeah, there's a lot of questions still. Yeah, that sounds like um, Ancestry.com. Totally. Yeah. And my mom has five brothers and sisters. So uh, Your mom does? Yeah. So she's one of six. No, she's one she's of five. One I'm of sorry, five? she's one of five. She's That's one right. of five. Okay. But yeah, so there's a lot of questions and I'm one day I'm gonna just probe all of them. <laughs> I know. Listen, I, I am super curious about it. So um my mother was born and raised in Mexico City and my grandmother was one of ten and she's had she has a couple of sisters who each had, you know, ten of their own. Oh, so that's just I have huge. an enormous family in Mexico, most of which I've never met. Um, we're actually going to go to Mexico this summer for my grandmother's 90th birthday and oh everybody's going to be there. So wow. yeah, I'm going to drag tra- my son t- with me and <laughs> that's going to be awesome. Yeah, that'll be, that'll oh. be something. So anyway, this is about you, not me. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay. So why don't we, maybe you could sort of give us a quick, uh, five, 10 minute, um, experience, strength, and hope. So to kind of qualify, like what happened, and where, like, like maybe you could start with like where you feel like your drinking began. Um, I think the first time I tried pot, uh, I was thirteen, mm-hmm. and I not only liked the way it made me feel, I liked the attention it got me. Um, I liked going to school and saying, oh, I totally smoked pot last night with my buddies, and then people were like, you smoke pot, and I loved. People saying like, oh, I thought you were not, you know, I thought you were so lame or I thought you were so nerdy. I didn't know you were so cool. Like, that's my perception of what happened. I'm sure that is not what happened. Maybe it was. But Mm -hmm. my perception was that everybody started to like me a little more. And I was no longer like my the younger sister or Mm -hmm. so-and-so's neighbor. I was like me, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But then when I started drinking in high school, I think like junior prom, senior ball started to like, you know, shoulder tapping, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's when it was like, oh, this feels really good. And then and then it became like, um, you know, I want uh, I, I could I'm funny. Um, I'm comfortable in my own skin. I I can talk to anybody. So it it definitely like, I don't know, it it wasn't really progression. I think it was like an interest, a liking, and then turned into like a loving thing. By the time I graduated high school, it was like, this is fun. I'm going to do this forever. (laughs) (laughs) And you did it as long as you could. As long as I did. I did. I tried as long as I could. (laughs) I had my first fake ID at uh, 15. 
Are you serious? Yeah, because my oldest sister was uh-huh. six years older than me, and I just took her birth certificate to the DMV. And back then, I would get an ID with my picture on it with her name and birthday. Isn't and it I crazy did that. How yeah. you could do that back in the day? I don't think they can get away with that now. No, that you know. And then back then, some of the doormen knew my sister, so they would try to kick me out. But there was no fighting the ID <laughs> with my picture on it. Wow! So they would let you slide. Yeah. If they were like, oh, if the ABC come in. I was like, I'm out. Yeah. Oh, wow. Where did you do most of your drinking? Bars. 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 Downtown and in Santa Clara, wherever there was live music playing. Oh, you are such a music junkie. That is like, we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. (laughs) I am. (laughs) Because that's part of your other addiction slash fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to talk about that too. But so, so what happened? How did your drinking progress? Um, I think I just loved it more and more and more. I think I started having really good times, at, like once I graduated high school and started having like those those amazing nights that you have where you go to a bar, you meet a couple of cute guys, you get some phone numbers, you have shots. No one gets a DUI. No one gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, you wake up the next morning. And, and back then, there was no cell phones, but we would page each other and then okay. call each other from landlines <laughs> and be like, oh, my God, you totally made out with that guy last night. Wasn't it fun? Or, oh, my God, I still... You know, I still have half a taco left from when we ate at like three in the morning. Like, just, you know, unbelievably good times. Right. And I wanted those to continue. And they, right. you know, so when I was early in, you know, my late teens and early 20s, it was like, you know, a few times a year, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe every other month. And then they started to get less and less. But, you know, it's just like, and I found myself chasing those nights. Like, I want to have another night. Like that one night. Remember that night that we all had such a great time? So we would keep, I would keep trying to orchestrate these nights out with my friends. And it just seems like, you know, it was always just like, yeah, all right, it's okay. Let's have a couple beers or whatever. And I was like, let's do shots on the bar. Let's, you know. <laughs> I, I started to slowly separate from everybody else. Like everyone was starting to wind down and you were still going. Yeah. Or or maybe they just wanted to have a game night or, you know, just, <laughs> you know. And I was like, well, let's go to the bar. And they were yeah. like, why don't we just, you know, rent a movie or go, you know. People, normie people want to do normie things. And I was just all about music and right. and people and smoking cigarettes and, you know. and Chasing boys. Chasing boys. All of it. Yeah. And where did you meet? When did you meet Frank? I didn't meet him till my first job out of culinary school at a hotel. I was a salad cook, just like still finishing up my internship in culinary school. And he was the front desk manager. And I was like, who is that guy? And he's like, will you go out with me? And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And eventually it it just wrote its own. Yeah, he did. He was good. He was good. He liked my cooking too. Yeah. You kind of caught my attention when you said salad cook. Yeah, Do you I was. Cook salad or no? Well, it was just like you know is a title. A, it was just like is that a chef thing? I'm just totally ignorant, right? <laughs> it was uh, so. I think the starting was actually a, a. It was a. Was it a salad cook? It was like a salad or salad bar or pre- or salad prep or something. Uh-huh. You started that was like the bottom, and then I worked my way up to like saucier, and then uh-huh. I was like chef de cuisine, and right. you know you just start moving your way literally up the line, like where the cold oh, food right. is, mm-hmm. and then you work towards the middle, and then you're doing desserts and this and that, and pretty soon you're over here and you're working the grill, wow. and then you've got the broiler in the oven and the grill, and it wow. just yeah, that's intense. I worked in restaurants for like six years, and it always 
like the open air kitchens and nice restaurants mm-hmm. and that's some stuff happening back there oh, that yeah. looks super intense and stressful <laughs> it was it was fun but it was hot and fast and crazy. how old were you when you were doing that 27 28 oh, okay i met frank i think i was 20 was yeah 28 had drinking interfered with your work at all at that point no no, but it was that first job after I had been there a couple of years that we started to drink at work. And that was a problem. Um, it wasn't to me because I was like, well, no one's here. You know, we worked in a hotel, so they're open 24 hours, uh, seven okay. days. So on the real slow days when no one was around, it was like me and a couple of the line cooks would, instead of having coffee cups with coffee in them, we would just have alcohol <laughs> in them and we would just drink. Yeah. And I never thought anything of it. I just thought, cool, I'm getting free alcohol. But I would come home and Frank would say, you know, you better be careful because, you know, that's still your job. Like, Right. That's our bread and butter. That's, you know, that's your career. Right. And I would be like, oh, God, you're such a pansy. <laughs> just live a little, you know. <laughs> you're such a nerd. <laughs> and I just didn't think anything of it. And I just, yeah. So, so still, you yeah. know, me yeah. just trying to seek out that excitement, I guess. Right. So you were actually drinking on the job. I actually did that a couple times, too. And it was a, as a waitress. It's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Very bad idea. <laughs> I can't get my shit together. <laughs> terrible do you know i still have waitressing nightmares i haven't waited on tables in two decades probably (laughs) still have nightmares i can't get to everyone fast enough it's everyone's mad at me (laughs) the restaurant industry is no joke it is yeah yeah but is that the only that's been your career like right from the gate was working in restaurants yeah i did eight years at planned parenthood and then i went to culinary school and it's been the food business ever since oh wow that's amazing Okay, so when let's walk through the transition part from did you like did you ever get arrested or I had my first UI at twenty one, but because it was so far between the first one and the second one, which is about seven years later, I didn't associate them at all. Okay, so um, twenty one and then twenty eight. Twenty eight, yeah, okay. and which is right around the time I met Frank. When I met Frank, um, he uh, towards the well when we started to date regularly, mm-hmm. um, he was picking me up and dropping me off to my little work furlough thing for oh those last God. few weeks. Yeah, work furlough? Yes, it was awful. So tell, I don't know what work furlough really is. <sighs> It was just awful. Just what are they picking do you, up garbage and, uh, and covering up spray paint and a lot of waiting around and a lot of listening to everyone's bullshit about how they don't belong there. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of just bullshit, you know, right. and then just, awful. yeah, and then just hauling us around in buses and uh, with the porta potty. I see the vans with like the porta potty and these people with the orange vests on the side of the freeway. Yeah, that was me. Garbage. No, no, no porta potties back then. <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. Yes, it was yeah. awful. And, uh, and, uh, but anyways, be, that I, once I put that second DUI behind me mm-hmm. and Frank and I decided to live together and we moved to Las Gatas where we could just walk to the bars in my eyes. He was just thinking, oh, great, I'm going to move in with my girlfriend. This is awesome. I'm like, we're going to live so close to the bar, you know? <laughs> priorities yeah and then and then we just kept going and i think um a few years into it i we would go to the bar all the time we would because we could just walk there and we would smoke cigars and watch she would smoke cigars (laughs) yeah we'd smoke cigars and and watch you know wrestling or whatever with the guy all the bartenders we were friends with Uh um but i can remember that line being crossed when I felt like oh, just having a cup of 
couple beers every night. Like, this is just so boring. So when Frank would get up to go to the bathroom or maybe go up to play darts, I would get shots. And I would start to kind of like sneak it a little bit. And then when I had kids, when when we got married and when I had kids and I had a, at this point was working like managing staff, Mm -hmm. that's when it was like, I can't, I I don't know, you know, I I don't know how to live without drinking. Like Mm -hmm. life is stressful. Kids are stressful. And Mm -hmm. I'm an adult now and this is horrible. I don't like being an adult, you know. It must have been miserable. I think it was because I didn't really know who to talk to or have anyone to talk to. And I had a lot of drinking friends, but I didn't really have any real people in my life. Mm-hmm. So no. I think that's when everything changed. Right. And so what made it, what happened that you decided to do something about it? Did you have like a moment of clarity or like, did you hit a bottom? What happened to make you? I think I kept, I had a few really bad experiences uh, one of my lowest bottoms was at my mom's mom's funeral, and I went with my mom and dad. We drove to L.A. to her funeral, and I I drank a lot and just got in some trouble and had a really humiliating night. And that was the first of about two or three instances where I just said, I don't think I can do this. And then Frank started sleeping on the couch, and, and I would, like, wake up and not know where he was and He's like, you were drunk when I got home last night. You know, and I would like, it went from those blackouts where it was like, remember you said such and such? And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to. Remember you said this? And I was like, no, I have no zero recollection of what happened last night after like 7 p.m. Oh, 7 p.m. Yeah, That's like early. nothing. No recollection. Don't know what I ate. Don't know what I said. So it got to the point where I didn't even know anymore. So um, he started saying, you know, I think you're an alcoholic. I'm like, oh, don't say that word. And. Oh, really? Yeah, just one morning I was walking my dog. It was really early in the morning. Nothing had happened. No major fight had happened. Um, I walked by a church that I always walked by. But this time I walked into the church and there was like a little alcove with some candles and they were lit. And I thought that was weird because it was like five in the morning. It was kind of cold. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why are these candles lit? Like you would have thought they would have gone out. Right. And so I just remember kind of staring at them and looking. It was like a little shrine and... I just remember I started to say, God, I just, I want to stop drinking. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. I said that out loud. I was with my dog and it was Mm -hmm. just a weird moment. And I went to a meeting like three days later and I haven't been, I've been there ever since. Same meeting. Wow. So, so you were walking your dog, this is the ODAT meeting that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. And you're walking your dog past the Trinity Church and. No, the church that I was walking by was in Campbell and it was a blue cross church it had a blue cross it was i think the people that go there are like uh from kenya there it's a different culture of people they have a, uh-huh. like a whole but it's just a church that i kept walking by and it was right, right by our apartment oh, okay and so it just yeah just this weird little alcove thing and the gate was open it was just very it was like set up for you yeah i mean it feels like such a god thing that that happened yeah i walked by that church a hundred times and never noticed it? I I mean, I knew it was there because there was, you know, receptions or people sure. or whatever. But that morning, I just, it was like, I walked right in there. So why do you think you went in? I think uh, I think I was probably done and maybe could sense it. But I, I think I was starting to have those thoughts in my head of like, what's it going to be like not drinking? Like, I'm just oh, not, right. you know, or that would be awful. Or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those uh, talking myself out of it. Right. Out of not drinking. Yeah. Right. So you make the decision and you go into the church and you kind of have like this 
This God moment. This God moment. And then you started going to meetings right away? Yeah, I went to work that day and the next day. And I remember I went to the AA website. Mm-hmm. I printed out a bunch of meetings in the area. I saw that there was one at 6 a.m. And um, I was there within a few days of printing out that piece. I remember it was like seven or 12 pieces of paper. Mm-hmm. And I was so paranoid because my job was still fairly new. Right. And um, I printed them out and I like stuck them in my purse and I came home and I was like looking through them all. And I'm like, what's this mean? And what's, you know, it's like, you know, um, you know, a sufficient substitute or the shared gift. I'm like, what the fuck is all this? Like, what does this mean? You know, <laughs> mean? but yeah. the one, the 6am at the time was called the attitude adjustment hour. And it was the only 6am meeting. So yeah. I said, oh, I'm going to go to this, but right and now there's three, 6 a.m. meetings all stemming from that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So you've always been an early riser. And always. Yeah. Always, yeah. Okay. So you should, what was your first meeting like? Uh, Do you remember your first meeting? Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen was there and Harold was, were there. The oh, two of them were setting really? up their chairs, the chairs. Harold's yeah. Passed. Yeah. How long has Harold been gone now? Um, a couple years? Two and a half years. Okay. Yeah. So he died at, with 46 years of sobriety. 46 years. Yeah. That is so amazing. So, and he was setting up chairs and I thought he was homeless <laughs> just because he was old and setting up chairs. So oh, yeah. I just, I was like, who oh, must be homeless. And then there was yeah. Steven and I'm like, he's picking up on me. He was like, welcome. How are you? And I was like, oh, that guy wants me, you know? <laughs> And the secretary was great. Because you were such a casual. Yeah. (laughs) My head was like, boom, totally blown up. All right. And um, Brady was the secretary, and he's Mm -hmm. also since passed. He's an old friend of Steve's. Um, And a guy named Rick from Campbell was chairing. And uh, Kathy Coleman was there. uh, Cynthia... Amy, a few a handful of people, Jim Harville was there, and I just sat there and I held my purse. Mm-hmm. I was wearing a, this really cool jacket that my uncle gave me. I'll never forget what my hair looked like, what I was wearing, and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was holding my purse the whole time, and I just sat at the meeting. I didn't announce myself as new. I listened, and then I got up and I left. And that was actually not on May first. That was in wow. March. Okay. I, I was in and out for a couple of months before my sobriety date of May first. Oh, okay. Uh, May 1st is your sobriety date? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think March like 16th or 17th was when I started going to that meeting. But I knew at my first meeting, I said, well, my husband's birthday is April 7th and I'm going to party. Like I had already oh. made that decision. You're like, not yet. Yeah. But then after after the kind of in and out and checking, you know, test, testing the waters, mm-hmm. I eventually made it there and announced myself as new and then did the full 30 days and did everything by the book. Okay, so you stood up every day and announced yourself. Yeah, for 30 days, and I was like, hey, by that last 30 days, I was like, you know, I had the whole crowd going, like, yeah, three days. Isn't that funny? (laughs) Yeah, so funny. Just like the bar, right? Right. Like, oh, come on, let's light up the shots. I was like, let's do this. Let's all go to breakfast. Like, I still rally. You're still like that to this day, you know, and I feel like you're one of those people who, um, I feel like... You're under the radar at the ODAP meeting, like in the sense that uh, you're kind of the glue and maybe you don't recognize it or maybe maybe I'm the only one who knows this, but <laughs> I watch how you unified that group. You um, look for people. You can, It's like you have a radar. You can tell who's uncomfortable or uneasy or you know what I mean? And it's like you reach out to those people and you pull them in. You know, and you make people comfortable. And so it's like you're still, it's like, it's like you're still doing that. 
You know, you're mm. making people feel comfortable and it's really like been the glue of that meeting. Well, and it's, a, it's just, I think I feel comfortable in that group. Like they're a yeah. family, like we're all a siblings or something. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely is a family, man. We have been through some stuff over the last several years, losing people and but mm-hmm. watching people come in and flourish there. I remember in the beginning of that meeting, it was actually pretty small and now it's regularly like what, 150 people or between 120 and 150. Yeah. At 6am. That's total 6 insanity. Yeah. Yeah. I drove by the other day cause I missed the meeting, but I had to drop Frank off at work or something. And it's like, holy cow, the parking lot. It's like, it's <laughs> such a fire hazard. <laughs> like, what, what, you know, just, yeah. whatever. It just, people are all co- parked cockeyed or whatever. <laughs> just so like, good. I got to get to my meeting. It's like, oh, <laughs> shit. That's so sad. And, you know, there's people meeting before the meeting. It's yep. like people are meeting for coffee at 5 a.m. Yeah. That's so crazy. We just really like hanging out together a lot before the meeting and after the meeting and birthdays and that's amazing so it's like every day is a reason to celebrate (laughs) yeah there really is gosh so okay so you get sober you go to the meeting and we were going to talk a little bit about sponsorship how did you decide like you'd heard that you had to get a sponsor so how did you decide like walk me through that process what was it like to find a sponsor i don't think i got a sponsor until i was 90 days um because i was having fun getting to know people, going to meetings. I didn't go to any meetings besides the 6 a.m. for like the first year of my sobriety. I like didn't even think about it or know anything about any of the meetings. But um, I was getting to know people, going to breakfast, doing all these things. And so I was like, you know, God, this is kind of fun. And people kept saying, you know, you got to, you probably should start getting to work. And I just remember um, I asked this woman, Amy, to be my sponsor. She had just celebrated four years and then we just started getting to work and I kind of thought, cool, I have like a, a like a free pass to someone that I could bitch to about my crazy parents or my asshole husband or whatever. But uh, she just kept bringing it back to the book and kept, you know, well, let you know, and she kept correcting me at meetings. Uh, like, I would be like, whoa, do you know so-and-so made out? And she's like, we're not going to gossip about other people in the rooms. We're here to, like, get sober. And I was like, God, you're such a bump on a log, you know? <laughs> like, I just wanted so My attention span is so short, and she was just so focused, focused you know? And uh, and that was good for me, you know? That was really good for me. And uh, do you remember what your step one exercise was like? I remember she wanted me to write, like, my story, like, as if I were chairing a meeting, like, you know, oh, kind wow. of like what happened, what it's like, and what it's like now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't have a, a computer at home, and so I hand-wrote it. And I remember one, two, and three, I just, we spent a lot of time at her apartment, kind mm-hmm. of just reading and talking and, and showing what I had written. Okay. So, you would and read was, her what you wrote? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she would, like, ask these really poignant questions that made me uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> well, what, you know, how, you know, I was like, ooh, you're making me think and feel about things I don't want to feel about. Like, I let know. me just write it and you read it and then we'll just, you know, and. We'll pretend like nothing happened. Yeah. And she's <laughs> like, well, let's look about, let's look at that. You know, I was like, ooh. Look at it and discuss it. Yeah. Yeah. You're but, really, like, wanting to avoid all that. You didn't find it sort of. You don't like talking about yourself, do you? Mm-mm. No. So no. I, I apologize about the podcast. This must be really okay, uncomfortable right. for it's you. It's okay. I've tied my shirt in a knot six times, but we're good. Have you? Oh, <laughs> you're doing great. 
So, um, okay, so you work the steps with her. She's taking you to meetings. And um, at what point... Um, what was your, at what point do you do the inventory? Is it like right in the, do you do it right away or did it take you a little while to get there? I don't remember. She was, I remember I may have only been like her first or second person that she took through the steps because oh, really? I remember she was still kind of learning things herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember writing the, this list down. I, I, we didn't use the grid. I like just did it on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the day that I went to her apartment and read it to her, like the list of the people, kind of like their stuff in my apartment, it was like two and a half hours yeah. of just like this. Ha- and I remember I went home and I took like a two hour nap. I was like, oh, I'm exhausted. Yeah. It was crazy. And then I, I mean, just things started to get, you know, I started to not just enjoy the meeting for the social aspect, but I started to hear the message more. Right. And I'll never forget that I hadn't even finished my 12th step yet. And I had a spiritual experience in the meeting. I had this guy, I kept waiting for the Latina girl with postpartum depression, a chair and say, she's got my story, but it never happened. Right. And this Mm -hmm. guy came in and he was like a country dude, like wearing Wranglers. He had a big old western hat on he had tattoos and he was talking about how he used to beat his wife and how he's been in and out of jail and he just had a story that was so not like mine but at that moment that he was sharing i realized that he did have he did have the same story as me Mm -hmm. i'm i'm the asshole in my family no one wants to be around me Mm -hmm. i'm the only one that thinks the way i do and i the only one who could change the the way I am. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to this guy talk about his story. So not like mine. And I could feel the tears coming down. And mm-hmm. at the end of that meeting, it took everything in me not to cry while we were holding hands for the ending prayers. Mm-hmm. And I went to my car. I was smoking cigarettes at the time. I must've smoked like 10 cigarettes on the way home. And I was just crying. Cause I felt like this sense of, uh, I felt like this moment of clarity. Like mm-hmm. I could just see everything all of a sudden it was, amazing and i told my sponsor about it that day, that night and she was like that's great you know that's so great and i was like oh let's you know and then here's me you know let's go to dinner i'm so excited let's party you know she's like <laughs> let's celebrate <laughs> yeah, I had a just, revelation. yeah i had a revelation so yeah. um i feel like um it sounds like you really connected Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't know about you, but it seems like um, that's what keeps us sort of in the disease is this feeling of isolation and separateness. You talk about, you know, you, your family, like you were the only one who was different out of your family. That must have been so hard growing up, feeling like you were separate from all of them. I did. I, I did my whole life feel separate. My mom had a baby before I was born and that baby didn't make it. Um, and it would have been the only boy. Oh, and did then, she actually give birth to that child? Yeah, he lived about three days. He was born with a deformed heart. Aww. And this was in 68, so it was before modern medicine. He would have lived had she had him now. Oh, shoot. Um, but this was back then, so uh, he didn't make it. And then I was born in 69. So from the minute I found out about Thomas, who would have been my brother, uh-huh. um, I never, I never felt... I felt like I was like a little bit on the outside of that family and the son that they did never had. And I think that was all here. And where did you, where do you think that idea came from? I don't know. I don't know. I was a, I was a quiet listener at home. Hmm. Um, 
I think that uh, I think I just saw and heard a lot of stuff when I was little, and I I I think I just came to that conclusion somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there there was just a lot going on in my family, mental illness, some you know some fighting, and and I think I just laid low and just thought you know I don't really know if I'm supposed to be here, and I just you know and, and my parents worked a lot. We were home alone a lot, and mm. um, it was just a different childhood. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. But now with my current sponsor, I've really done a lot of work around those scars or those thoughts. And she's helped me realize um, and come to the conclusion of, like, you know, it was this, and you're here now. And, you know, I don't know. It's... I've done so much work around. It. I feel so much better now. I can actually spend time with my family and not. I mean, used to. I used to. I used to buy a pint bottles of tequila. I would get two every time we were going to see my parents. I would drink one before we went to see them, and I would leave one at home so that when I got home, I would drink it because I was already premeditating my resentment. I knew I was going to come wow. home angry. And now I go. I mean, I mean, and even early in sobriety, it was like. Ugh, you know, and I would go and I'd be miserable the whole time. And now I go and I can actually engage with them. Okay. You know, and they engage with my kids and we still have issues, but it's like I can go and let them be grandparents to my kids and okay. let them love on their son-in-law and we connect, we talk and we visit and we have a good time and then I go home and, and then that's it. You don't feel resentful? No. Yeah. I, I hear you joking around and call them the Costanzas. <laughs> yeah, I do. I call them the Costanzas because they bicker. They bicker. Oh, and they bicker. And it's just like the Costanzas. She's like, I said, he's like, I heard you. And like, we're all, you know, we're all right here. Cringy. You know, <laughs> God, just stop. You're like, we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> they don't wait for people to leave before that they bicker. So funny. Yeah, no, that's, that's super uncomfortable. And sometimes I feel like, you know, maybe they're supposed to be in my life because maybe I'm supposed to make sure I'm not like, like, I'm, because sometimes, you know, without those reminders, I can maybe nag on Frank too much or uh-huh. kind of start to be a little too orderly in the house and start not wanting things to be out of line. And sometimes rigid, when I'm, rigid. yeah, and sometimes when I'm around someone who's rigid, then I don't want to be that way. So, okay. The, the example of what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, That's interesting. So you you mentioned, uh, I'm curious about the mental illness part. Uh, What kind of mental illness and who had it? My oldest sister uh, has, she's probably bipolar. Um, She may be an addict. I don't, you know, she just has had a lot of issues Mm -hmm. growing up. Mm -hmm. And all I really saw on that was either violence or just strange behavior or she was violent. Yeah. And then you or with my parents, I think, and just, I I don't know. I heard lots of rustling going on and I just spent a lot of time in my room. Um, How much older is she? Six years. We're all three years apart. It's uh, I was three, Um, six and nine. So, um, yeah, it, um, she had a lot of presence in the house, okay. um, and so things were always kind of peaceful. But the minute she came out of her bedroom, it was like all bets are off. Huh? Yeah, just and you never knew. It's like if she was in a good mood, everyone was in a good mood, or if she was in an extremely manic good mood, then everything was fine. Okay. But you know, she could be in a bad mood, or it, it was just really hard between her and my mom. Um, 
it just was there was just lots of uncomfortable moments did your does your mom did your mom wrestle with mental illness at all i don't know i think my my mom's issues is that she's a bit narcissistic Mm -hmm. and i think that she was the person in her family that she felt like she was different than all of her other siblings and so you know it just there was a lot of stuff there and no one you know back then no one got therapy Mm -hmm. um no one talked about it um i remember having cousins that had you know issues and people that died and no one knows why you know there's all these you know questionable things that happen and nothing has really been laid to rest um i've worked through it myself and have put it to rest but there's a lot of questions and like doing this and having you ask questions about it is it you know makes me think like lily sometimes she's like well then what happened and it's like I don't really know. And you have to be okay with the fact that we probably will never know. And and now right. she's like, oh, okay, you know, but like from here on out, it's not going to be that way. It's like now we have everything all dealt with. Right. So so that's this might be a good segue to talk about the kids. Uh, you know, both you and I have children. And yeah. over the years, it's, you know, the... The kids are going to have questions and th- things and situations come up. So, so Lily will ask. How old is Lily now? Fourteen. She's fourteen now, and your son is twelve. Is twelve. And uh, so, what if what do the kids know about mom's alcoholism? Do you call it that? Mm-hmm. They know I'm an alcoholic. They know I go to AA meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, they've grown up with it. So they were uh, three and eighteen months. Oh, okay. When I got sober. Yeah. Okay. Or om- he was almost two. It was a month before his second birthday. Um, and so they... They have no memory of you loaded. Nothing. Yeah. No memory. All they know is me going to meetings. And I remember, for me, a really defining moment was we were driving. She, Lily and I were going somewhere, and she was maybe in fourth grade. And... Um, we were driving behind a car, and I always look at license plates. Uh-huh. And the person's license plate frame said, the best chips in the Bay Area. And I was looking at it, and I was going, I wonder what that means. And then I go, what does that mean? And the car pulled up ahead, and it said Intel. And I go, oh, it was computer chips. Uh-huh. And then someone, Frankie chimes in the back, and he goes, I thought she was, they was talking about potato chips. And then Lily said, I thought I was talking about the chips from your meeting. <gasps> and so it was like, even that early on, she just thought of the word chips as... Yeah. Art medallions. Right. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. It gave me the chills. Like, I was like, what? You know? Yeah. It just made me, that moment it occurred to me how regular it is in our house. Yeah. The big book sitting there. Right. Occasional women coming over and sitting with me at the table or mm-hmm. me going for, you know, an hour and coming back or... Right. Mommy's going to go see her sponsor. Yeah. What would you say? When, is that? Would you say that? I'm I usually just say I'm meeting a lady for coffee. Okay. She's like, wow, mommy really likes coffee. <laughs> Well, she knows if I'm saying that, that I'm going, you know. What it means. Yeah. You think she knows that you're going to meet a woman um, to do 12-step work? Or? Yeah, I think I think at one point she may have asked, like, what What are you guys doing? I said, we talk about the book that I read. It's about my meetings. You know, I'll say the little things. You keep it simple when they were little. Sure, yeah. You know, it's, we talk about the things that we talk about when I go to my meetings. Oh, okay. So it's all related. Yeah. And you have a girl. Listen, I have two boys. And, um, you know, she's coming up on that age where teenagers start drinking or, mm-hmm. you know, do you, over the years, have you, like when stories come up in the news or she gets exposed to something, do you, has that happened where you've had to explain that it's 
do you recall any stories that she yeah she um so frank's mom is a dry alcoholic she hasn't had a drink in a long time um she does i think remember when her kitty nana which is frank's mom mm-hmm. when she used to drink um and she's been on that side of his family saying you know it's in your genes you know mm-hmm. so i think she's from an early age kind of known that what it is and what it can do mm-hmm. um but at the same time she doesn't really show the interest um she's not an overeater she doesn't she's not an attention hoarder she she has some interests and some friends, and I think that she's definitely going through teenage stuff, but she just doesn't seem to have an interest in changing the way she feels, or, I, I, I mean, I just think she gets it. Right. To yeah. some extent, I think she gets She's a very old soul, too. Yeah, she probably, it sounds like she's just well-adjusted, like she doesn't, like, I feel like drugs and alcohol are a coping mechanism, like if we don't learn healthy coping mechanisms, you know, yeah. for drugs and alcohol... Or yeah. something unhealthy. And we talk about stuff, even if it's uncomfortable. Oh, that's so And so, and I go, this is uncomfortable, but, you know, we're going to have a talk about vagina or whatever. And she's like, <laughs> oh, God. And I go, I oh, know. Well, let's just deal with it now. And so right. it's over, you know. And then when it's over, I'm like, aren't you glad it's over? She's like, yes. Now I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to lecture you. Brace yourself. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> This is happening, whether you like it or not. Okay, so, and she's, they've both been to plenty of functions where we're celebrating someone's birthday or yeah, um, we get together for Fourth of July or. Yeah, she's, she's she been around and she's grown up with people. Yeah. And there's people that she sees that she remembers that, like, her, their pictures are still on her fridge. And then there's yeah. people that I think she remembers as, like, whatever happened to so-and-so? And it's like, oh, I don't know, honey. I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah, people come and go. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. Our kids have... Um, I'm sure yeah. your kids have done the same thing, asked about certain people. Whatever happened to so-and-so? Yeah, you know, we talk about it pretty openly with the kids in the sense that uh, we, like... My little ones got really big feelings. They both do. But, um, you know, I'll tell my kids things like, you know, you need to see things as they are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm totally blowing this out of proportion. Let's be here now. You know, I find myself telling my kids stuff like that. But um, I also tell them that um, we, you have it in your genes. Mm -hmm. I'm an alcoholic. Dad's an alcoholic. Grandpa was an alcoholic. Great grandma was an alcohol. There's a lot of alcoholism in our family, um, so they need to be careful. That and we just never. You just you know, Auntie Lisa can drink normally, and uh, Auntie Heather drinks, and you know, you know what's funny is my kids. Um, so they go to a Christian private school, and they are shocked, and I think are a little rattled when their friends' parents drink. Yeah, well, yeah, it must be like, what's that like? They're so scared of it. It's like, oh, it makes me uncomfortable. Like, my kids are so straight. Like, yay. (laughs) But we tell them, it's like, we just don't know what could happen to you. Like, maybe you could develop it over time, or but you just have to be very careful. Yeah. The idea is that you deal with your feelings so that you're not suppressing anything. Like, um, my older boy will hold things in. And I tell him, you know, it's it's important that you talk to... Listen, you don't have to talk to me. You don't have to talk to Debs. You have to talk to somebody. Because if you repress that, then it'll come out in an unhealthy way. 
And um, so I think he talks to his friends and stuff, but it's it's interesting. One talks a lot, and the other one doesn't talk at all. But it's so they're so different. Yeah, yeah. But the message to both of them is that we don't drink because we don't process drugs and alcohol normally. Um, and but I I so I just don't do it. You know, we yeah. both don't do it, and we have to go to meetings. Like they'd be like, "Why are you going to meetings so much?" It's like, well. You know, that's what keeps me, um, when they were little, I used to tell them, do you want me, mommy? Or do you want <laughs> mommy? Say that to them. Right. I took that line from you, too. I oh, I, I, you know, it's so funny because it's like, because me, mommy is this close. And they'd be like, we want nice mommy. And <laughs> Go to your meeting. Go to your meeting. Because they seem that crazy bitch. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want none of it. Right, go to your meeting. We'll go over here. We'll calm down. <laughs> we won't question it anymore. Go yeah, ahead. No, they've seen, they've never seen me drunk. Like I got sober before they got born. I know you're so lucky. I know, right? So cool. But um, no, over the years we explain that some people drink and some people don't, and it's fine for some people. But they're still not comfortable when people drink around them. It's yeah. really interesting. That's and that that's different too because my kids still see uh, my parents drink. And my siblings, so they they still see that, yeah, you know. And I think that I think that might be hard for them to kind of digest. Like, how does this all fall into place? You know, right? Um, their dad drinks, but they've never seen him drink because he drinks maybe two drinks a year because he's normal. I don't think is that normal. <laughs> so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> I don't know that that's normal. It's like, what does that guy that's do? For- it? <laughs> Did you even finish it? No. That's so rude. <laughs> I know. It's like, come on. No, that's funny. Um, so, what does Frank? What What do you guys do for fun if you're not <laughs> if you're not going to be drinking? <laughs> what do you guys do for fun? You know, we we have a lot of fun. I mean, we have a lot of fun. You just do. At He's home. hilarious. Frank is oh, such. Yeah. You you both have such great senses of humor. He made us laugh so hard today because he was just imitating me and Frankie <laughs> while we were laying there perpetuating that exact thing that he was imitating, you know, because yeah. I was like, I want to go to the gym and I need to be at Arlena's and I want to go to dinner and I want to do this and I've got to do laundry. And he laughs because I, I have like 20 things in my head I want to do tonight. Uh-huh. And I, you know, on top, you're laying there. <laughs> yeah. And then I just, you know, and Frankie's the same way. He's like, I want to cuddle. Wait, what's for dinner? I'm hungry. What's for dessert? Wait, you know, like he's just all over the place. He's like, can I have a friend over? Wait, what time is it? You know? Yeah. And he just looks at us. He's like, oh my God. So, we just laugh and joke uh-huh. about all that stuff. We go places. We go to movies. We go to do, you know, we went to that Switch thing last weekend. And What was that? Um, it was a hands-on, it was a hands-on event where you could go and test out the new Nintendo Switch console. Oh. And you got oh, a 90-minute right. session just playing with it. And 90 it, minutes? Yeah, but it was you with, a, like, 100 people. And then they had waves of people in and then out. And we had, yeah, so we had to wait. We went, like, at 5 in the morning. We waited. We had, like, a spot at 9. And then we, we waited four hours? Well, we walked around. Well, by the time we got there, parked, we walked around, got our little wristband, and then we walked over to Starbucks and then there, everyone was in Starbucks so we oh. had a stand and it was, it was such a busy morning but you know what he had the best time he did. I took tons of pictures because it was just a little boy's dream Aww. it was just consoles everywhere and they were set up in all different ways and it was it was it was Asperger heaven <laughs> And then Frank and Lily went out and took pictures of amazing things. 
for doing their photographer video. Yeah. Does she do video stuff? Yeah, she does all sorts of stuff. She's so smart. Oh, my God. And then she can, like, edit and stuff, and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Whole nother level of creative. Very. Well, you know, they grew up with it. They're very tech-savvy. Plus, we're in Silicon Valley, so... Yeah. If they're not tech savvy, they're aliens. <laughs> right. And your kids are right in the thick of it. Oh, that's pretty cool. So um, we were going to talk about switching your addictions or unhealthy. <laughs> Any, anything else horrible that you want to talk about? <laughs> I will say this last night. So I have this new commitment on Monday afternoons um, at the Alano East. Mm-hmm. And um since I've been going there, they have that little like diner area uh-huh. and I started, I relapsed on Diet Coke and I know it sounds so stupid because it's just Diet Coke, but this is the addict addicted me. Okay. So I started secretly having it. Well, when <laughs> I drink, yeah. Cause when I drink Diet Coke, mm-hmm. I go from a little cup with some ice in it and some Diet Coke to big gulp like <laughs> twice a day. Like it is, I don't know how to, I can't explain Moderation. it. Yeah. I can't explain. It's like smoking a cigarette. Like there's something that makes me want more right after I take a sip of it. It's really weird. So last yeah. night when I got home, home um i had this horrible like leg restlessness and uh-huh. i just felt like i couldn't quite get comfortable and frank's like what is wrong with you <laughs> <Diet Coke. laughs> it was this may 28th i was like oh out. you went so long i know and he was like are you kidding me and he goes, you know what it does to you it's looking i'm not gonna be able to sleep today and then i'm one of those people that's like if i get to bed at 10 oh, and no. i wake up at four then that's only six hours of sleep it's not enough <laughs> start to freak out like and then he's just, just so, super relaxing yeah and it, he's like everything mm. is okay you know and i'm like oh <laughs> and that's just how i am you know every time i eat a piece of cake i love it and then i just cry afterwards and go i know i shouldn't have eaten it you know and i feel right. bloated and fat and unhealthy and and i just remorse guilt everything oh gosh that's terrible every time because i have so many addictions and i just feel you know i still crave cigarettes and i have so many things that i want i love positive attention from from men i love flirting i want to adopt mm-hmm. every dog in the world i mean there's just so little things that i can do normally i can work normally and i can kind of be a mom and a, and a wife normally everything else there's like there's something in there yeah that i'm like i really want that and i want all of it i want all of it the only two things i do in moderation which is exercise and work yeah. <laughs> Step work. right even at the gym i find myself you know like if i go one day I want to go the next day and I have mm-hmm. to tell myself, you know, you've got to take care of your body. It's just, it's so hard to find a balance. It is hard to find a balance. I feel like that seems to be like the theme of my recovery is, uh, find the balance and recommit. Yeah. It's just hard to do. Right? It's so it's, hard to do. It's so easy to isolate and then not do the things that listen, I'm so high, we're so high maintenance, right? It's like, mm-hmm. there's so much that we have to do just to be normal. Yes, it's so much work just to like sit here and talk with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on in here is not that. <laughs> not that. I know it's like I binge watch TV. I think my TV addiction is probably my last like real serious. Oh yeah, you and a bunch of people—they're yeah. so into it. Yeah, binge watching is like because I was a pot smoker, right? Which is like, um, oh. you know, alcoholic too. But um, pot is about checking out. Mm-hmm. Like being numb and checking out. And I feel like TV is really good for that. Like I can literally lay in bed for five hours and watch TV. Mm-hmm. And just be like, oh my God, I, other people have lives in that whole amount of time where I'm just watching TV. 
Yeah. You know, it's so easy to... You're not a TV watcher, are you? You're busy with your other addictions? <laughs> I'm busy, yeah. I'm too busy with my coloring a book and my video games. <laughs> Do you play video games? No, I play a couple word games. It's actually, I'm not really hooked on them, but it is for me like a... It's my one thing that I can sit on the couch and do and just relax. Right. Just like a, my little words with friends or whatever. Oh, words with friends. Yeah. yeah. And texting and checking in. Yeah, and texting people. Yeah, that's always really good. What do you think the uh, What do you think the addictiveness or the obsession is about? Because it was really, you really switching addictions is really like about obsession, and I feel like obsessions are about avoiding something, some kind of discomfort or whatever. Do you have a sense of? Is it just stress? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's stress, if it's unsettled stuff, or if it's just my my thought process. Like if I'm like when I'm at work, I'm really focused. Mm-hmm. When I'm cooking and doing things that I feel connection to God with, I feel mm-hmm. very focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm not doing things, I think I get those things. I get a little bit lost. I think it's hard for me to find a happy place. So meditation helps me. I do color mandalas or do like little Sudoku or word games, things that kind of just make me chill mm-hmm. um because i if i'm given a long period of time without a structure um i'm all over the place yeah no Which, you're like me it's like my brain likes something to chew on yeah and i think i'm a lot like my son i think i'm very aspergery i have uh, most of the things that he goes through i can recall going through very similar things at his age so and back then i was just was a quirky no di- kid yeah there was no diagnosis for anything when we were yeah. coming up I'm i mean no wonder i fell in love with pot at 13 yeah you know that's that that is and he's just like me you know two cookies uh two desserts more ice cream, mm-hmm. um, you know, television and video games because there's constant stimulation. He's mm-hmm. constantly grabbing for stuff. So we're a lot alike. Yeah. It's hard. It's it's hard to teach um, kids how to just be, you know, especially when we have such a hard time just being. Yeah. I don't do well with that either. His new thing now is Saturday mornings. He's like, so what are we doing today? Like, I want to know what is going on. What are you going to do to entertain me? <laughs> Why don't you make me breakfast for once? <laughs> He's all bust out the clipboard, bitch. Let's get busy. <laughs> He's your like, cruise director. Because I see here on the calendar that you have an appointment today at four. So what are we doing between now and then? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you should give him some uh, some direction and let him schedule the activities for the day. I should, yeah. yeah give him a clipboard. He would, he would, this is what he would say. We're going to go to BJ's. We're all going to have chicken strips. And then we're going to walk around the mall and play at the Apple store. <laughs> we're going to come home and watch TV. That would be like the perfect day. That's his ideal day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Pretty soon Lily's going to be driving and she can accommodate a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, and the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, uh, we talked a little bit about um, your sponsor. And what is sponsorship like for you? You sponsor other women. I sponsor women, yeah. Um, I, um, I've i gotten better at it. Mm-hmm. I've had a few sponsors. I had a sponsor, uh, my very first sponsor, and she, um, after we were done with the steps, I didn't continue with her um, because she... There were some things when I was going through my steps that I felt like she couldn't totally relate to because she was single, unmarried, no kids. Um, And so I asked a woman who was married with two children, 
working full time to be my sponsor to go through the steps the second time. Mm -hmm. Um, And and what I didn't know when I asked her was that she was very religious. So I really got a a whole new look at the steps and at spirituality with her. Um, And then from then on, I had a couple of more sponsors. And so as that process grew and I expanded my knowledge, now I feel like I don't know, I'm not any better at sponsoring, but what I'm better at is communicating. So it's like, this is how I've learned how to do it. What would you like to do? And I let them tell me how they can best learn mm. and then we go from there and then you go, do you read the book with them if they feel like they can't read it on their own we'll read it together mm-hmm. um and if they feel like they can then i say well then why don't you and i both read this on our own and we'll talk about it so then it forces me to read regardless okay and do you require them to go a certain do you have them do like the 90 and 90 and i make suggestions and if they can at least do a few of my suggestions. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. If they're not doing any of my suggestions and they're complaining about how awful life is, it's like, well, if you're not going to do any suggestions, I can't help you. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. How do you deal with, um, listen, we've, we've both had practice setting boundaries with people. I feel like sponsorship is a great, <laughs> a great way to practice. Listen, it's so painful, but it's a great way to practice setting boundaries with people. It's like, I'm not your therapist. I'm not here <sighs> to just listen to you bitch and complain. Yeah. I'm, I'm here to take you through the steps and that's it. Yes. And if you want my advice, I'll give it to you. But if I feel like you're not listening or it doesn't, if it's not landing, then then what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stop wasting my time. I st- when I started to complain to my sponsor about the time I was wasting, that's when she said, no, no, this is what your, your job is, you know, and she was a little harder on me. It's like, this is what your job is. If you want to do all this other stuff, you know, your job is to take this person through the steps. If they're not going to show up on time, then you make sure they confirm, like, even the little details. Mm-hmm. And just just with her kind of setting me in the right direction, I feel like, I've really got a handle on this. Finally, after 10 and a half years. It takes a long time. Yeah, I was kind of feeling like, what is wrong with me? And I, I think I just, I had the direction I needed to get in order to be where I am. Right. I feel like we sort of attract the people that help us work on certain things, like communication or setting a time and confirming the time and setting expectations of what's going to happen during the meeting. Yeah. All that stuff. Right. Yeah. It's like you get somebody like if you've had no practice with somebody who complains a lot and you don't know how to set a boundary, guess who shows up at your door? Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's always how it's been. It's my life since I've gotten sober has been nothing but a series of events that have totally fallen into place that are all based on, uh, driven by God and not by me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting. I've recently been thinking about this idea. It's um, fallacy of dichotomy, meaning, um, and this is, this, this, is the, this is how it goes down in my mind. I'll be thinking that here's a situation. Like I was explaining to you earlier about my son is having an issue. He broke up with his girlfriend and the, the uh, girlfriend's mother called me <laughs> asking me to help. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, there's... Here's two solutions. Either I help her or I don't help her, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then I think those are my two options. But that's a false dichotomy because there's more options than that. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, uh, 
some other options are maybe it's none of my business. <laughs> maybe I don't do anything. Um, maybe I look at, maybe I talk to somebody like you and, and process my feelings so that I don't have to get involved in other people's drama. Yeah. And go deeper into it. Right. And create a thing where there is no, where there doesn't need to be a thing. Yeah. Cause the way you describe that whole situation and how you handled it was like, that's exactly what I would have done, but I wouldn't have thought of it. So it was like hearing your story now makes me retain that for yeah. The future. Yeah. I think God, we share stuff with each other, right? Because that's how I learned to. Yeah. I, that's probably where I got it from is hearing somebody else. But I aired out my story with other women who were like, oh, honey, this is none of your business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's tough being a mom because you don't want to be super codependent for your kids, right? But yeah. It's like our heart is so closely tied. It's like, if he's in pain, especially emotional pain, I'm in pain, mm-hmm. right? It hurts me to see him in pain. And so, you know, I started thinking, oh, either I'm going to have a stab a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> this is my baby. <laughs> yeah. Go total mama bear or just step away and do nothing. It's like, it's so funny. So it's interesting, like when we get these sponsees and they bring these situations to us. Their perspective is so narrow. They think it's this or that, mm-hmm. which leaves no room for God. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and so I think as a sponsor, it's okay to be like, oh, well, have you considered this other thing or this other thing? Or how about you pray about it and sleep on it? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I got all these great suggestions for my sponsor. Because I'm like you, I've had many sponsors and um, I feel like each sponsor brings something different, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I feel so much more well-rounded now than ever. And I used to hate that. I thought, oh, something's wrong with me because I keep switching sponsors. But Mm -hmm. no, I think on the contrary, I've done the steps a few ways, different ways, and it's all been different in a positive way. Yeah, helps you go. Like you said, be more well-rounded. Yeah, I'm like, there's more growth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like, and I'm not offended. I remember the first few times somebody told me that they're going to go get another sponsor, and I was like devastated. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you're making it bad. Nobody better than you. <laughs> it's like, it's like you break up with a boyfriend. Huh? It's devastating. Yeah, it can be, but um... and then after a while, it's like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> Oh, thank God. (laughs) It's your turn to take this crazy bitch. (laughs) But sometimes we need to take turns. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's hard. You know, I think back about when I was new. Oh, my God. I must have been, you know, attention seeking and, you know, just totally enthralled with my negative drama. Yeah. Oh, man. I must have been exhausting. Well, I think we all. Yeah. We just didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. You know? I don't know what else. You probably weren't like that, but you probably... Oh, no, trust me. <laughs> You're like, please. My first sponsor moved to, like, in the middle of a small town, Villa, USA, like, 14 years ago. Never to be heard from again. I'm certain it was all mine. I'll give you my new number when I get it. <laughs> Meanwhile, she takes her cell phone with her. <laughs> That's funny. Well, listen, uh, we're coming up on our time, and usually we wrap up the 
podcast with, um, so it's called ODAT chat one day at a time. So how do you stay sober one day at a time? Or do you have like a daily routine or do you have a weekly routine? What does that look like for you? Um, if I'm not at a meeting or I know I'm not going to go to a meeting, I do some meditation. And since I'm so musically driven, what oftentimes happens is when I'm commuting to work, I have the radio on and I'm constantly right. Cause I'm addicted to music. So it's like, I'm constantly searching for the best song. And if I can go all 10, 10 pre programs with no good song, then that is God telling me I need to turn the music off and I need to be quiet. Oh, wow. And it's this whole new routine that was so dorky and I thought it was so stupid and now it's so ingrained in me and I turn off the music, it's quiet. And the first words I say are thank you. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of go through my day of like, okay, what, you know, what can I do for others today? And how, what does that look like? And how can I be the best me and what am I grateful for and then I usually will always have a shout out of a handful of people in my head that I worry that are struggling or sick um and then I just I I I do the rest of that drive to work in silence sometimes I will play a hymn on my uh on my phone or I'll just let it be quiet and then Mm -hmm. it's like a whole it's like a, a whole new me wow that's actually okay and you so are you going to meetings every day if uh, no, I'm going to right now. Since I got a new job, I've only been going to about four meetings a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually, sometimes it's like a whole day of recovery, like a meeting with seeing a sponsor or whatever. Right. So on the weekends, yeah. So and I feel like it's okay if I have a day that I'm missing a meeting because I'm still doing these other exercises. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's very good. And uh, you mentioned, you know, one thing we didn't get to talk about, and I'm dying to ask you: Do you have any idea how many concerts you've been? to in your life because you go to a lot of concerts i'm gonna say it has to be it has to be around 75 it has to be 75 concerts probably like this year no (laughs) god no your husband would kill you the rush i get from clicking online purchase tickets Uh is just as great as taking a drink so i have to stop Nothing in moderation. <laughs> Nothing in moderation. No. And now with my dog being sick, I couldn't buy tickets to see Queen, who's like <gasps> my all-time favorite band, right. because I spent all my money on my dog. So Aww. my next concert is U2, and then I think that'll be it for a while. Oh, very good. Until tax returns, and I'm going to be like, turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Awesome, Melissa. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for doing the podcast. I thank know, you for having I know me. You don't like talking about yourself, but I thought you did great. Thank you so much. All right, we'll talk soon. Okay, thanks. Thank you for listening to Odat Chat. Please visit odatchat.com for more episodes, to leave feedback, or suggest topics and guests. Until next time.